There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for downloading the Secure the Insecure podcast with me, Johnny Seafoot. I just want to say, before you hear today's episode, we are going to be touching on mental health. If you need more information or you're affected by what you hear, head to mind.org.uk. On with this week's episode. Secure the Insecure with Johnny Seafoot is sponsored by Jennings and Co-Financial Planning, helping to make sense of money. And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. Most people have this dream. They want to be on reality TV. They want to get the Instagram followers. They want to get that blue tick. They want that self-validation that they are known. And then they think they've made it. And it doesn't matter if you've done one day in Castlemore on Love Island or you've gone all the way to win Love Island. To get on TV is the goal for most. To get an in-the-style deal, even better. But what happens when you do do reality TV? It isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Seven series of Magaluf and Ibeef Weekender, Magaluf, Ibeef Weekender Boat Party. One of their key stars was Imogen Townley. Now, I loved Imogen on the show. She was funny. She was bubbly. She was incredible. And then she left. And I never heard from her again. Okay, that's not true. I have a friendship with her. But on TV, I never heard from her again. And I wanted to kind of get in the head of someone who has made it in life but actually doesn't like it. Imogen joins me on Secure the Insecure. Imogen, I want to go back to pre-Ibifat Magaluf Weekender because it was a brand new show you joined at the time. What was that casting experience like for you and why did you want to be on that show? See, this is the thing. Um, Everyone always assumes that because I had such a long jeopardy and a long career in reality TV that it was something that I actually pursued, which it wasn't. So I actually scouted from Magaluf Weekender and I actually said no a few times because I had no intention of being on TV. But for whatever reason, obviously the channel was super, super keen on me to do the show. That uh, 
when I actually agreed to do it, I'm going to be completely honest, I only said yes because they were willing to pay for my flight back to Magaluf and I just wanted to get back and see me mate. I went to Magaluf in 2011. I had a load of stuff going on at home. When I was 18, I actually had a breakdown and I'd spent time in a mental hospital and overcoming like depression and things like that. And then a year later, when I was in a well better headspace, I decided just to take the plunge and move abroad because I had nothing to lose. So I booked a one-way ticket. I had a suitcase full of clothes and booze and um, a little bit of money in my back pocket and no job, nowhere to live and just kind of jumped on a flight to Spain. And I remember when the plane was about to take off and I said to myself, this will either make me or break me. Now, fast forward all these years, <laughs> I've ended up with um, a TV career, which has been such a whirlwind. So for me, it was kind of, I feel like fate kind of played a part. It was kind of like, I, I'm a believer that like your path is chosen for you, in a sense. And I feel like with this, with the TV world, it was kind of like the decision was already made for me. So I was scouted and then obviously phone calls and I went down to London and met the production company and then they were just like we'd really love you to do this show so I kind of agreed to it eventually and then literally it became seven years <laughs> of my life. And when you joined the show and when you were going to Magaluf did you see it as escapism that if I go abroad then I don't have to live the life that I'm living after the breakdown and kind of escape all your issues by moving abroad? Yes, definitely. I think older, I always seen it as either I want to be a traveller. When really I was just really, really young and I was, I was just trying to escape a life in Liverpool that no longer served me and I was just trying to find a new life for myself, which actually happened. So I did one year, normal weapon, boat parties, booze cruises, bar crawls and then the year later is when I got scouted by the production company T4 to obviously do the show because they'd actually had a BDI on me on Facebook. <laughs> Instagram and nothing existed back then which is mad to even think how long ago it was. So yeah they've been looking they'd set up a page on Facebook called Summer Workers Abroad and I've obviously accepted it just thinking it was one of them normal forum pages where you could like you know sort your accommodations, sort your jobs out before you obviously went over to the island which you could do. Um, but now it ends up being a production company that were actually, you know, scouting and trying to find people, for, which was actually, it was meant to be a fly-on-the-wall documentary, which was they called the first series. But then, obviously, it then developed into a reality show and is now one of the longest reality shows on ITV, really. <laughs> so you go on the show and, you know, the first series of your holiday rep, you've got Jordan Davies there and, mm -hmm. you know, OK, you had a little bit of a love, but you had all these guests coming along and they stayed in the hotel with you and you showed them the strip. What was your experience like off camera? It was so bizarre and surreal going into that that sort of setup, you know, with like twenty four hour surveillance, you know, the the cameras, like the big brother cameras. It was it was like big brother and we didn't really get like much downtime from filming, so it was pretty full on. But obviously coming out after filming the series, it was crazy. But I think, you know, when you're young and like you're getting like these sort of experiences and you know you're getting offered money and then obviously you're getting a bit of fame from it, people are recognising you, people are wanting pictures with you. Really, really good for the ego, so we say. It's fun, it's exciting, it's different. You know, like you said, not many people get to have these experiences and do this as a full-time job. 
So at the beginning and for the first couple of years, I most definitely seen it like it was my fate. Like this was what I was meant to do. This was the reason why I went through all the struggles in my life before moving to Magaluf. It was everything I ever could have dreamed of, really. It was just so much fun, you know, and it was boss. But then I think as you start to get a bit older and as the more years go on, that's when things started to change for me, really. They try and prepare you as much as possible for being in the public eye. You know, they want you on TV, you become a character. There was a lot of talent at the beginning for the, the way I look. It was hard at first, but I think it did help me get tougher skin and kind of be like, you know, I am who I am. Stay true to myself. You know, it doesn't matter what other people say about me. So for the first few years, you know, I've seen it as a very, very big positive and I've seen it as a motivation to get healthy, get in the gym, take care of myself. Now, fast forward a couple of years, you know, more shows, more limelight, more attention, more followers, more attention in the streets and things like that. I started to notice, you know, when the negative was coming in, the negative was really starting to take an impact on me. I've been attacked multiple times. You know, I've been, I've been put in hospital. I, I, this is all stuff that I kept really, really quiet because I was so fearful. I kept a lot of stuff locked inside and I kept a lot of stuff hidden. That even though, yes, I was authentic and I was just, you know, young, email doing a thing, there was a lot of stuff. I think we, it was quite early on. We were only series one. And, you know, we started, like, going out and recognised people would ask you for pictures. And it was quite it was quite intense quite early on. It just turns a bit. I feel like a lot of the jealousy gets involved. Uh, people don't like the fact that, you, that they see you as different from them. Even though I'm not different, I'm just a normal person. It's just my job was different from other people. Passed by a, a lad once. Came over and was very much like... It, it, it's hard to explain. It's like people kind of see you, like... If they tell you to do something, you've got to do it because you're not a real person, you're a character on a TV show. So it was kind of like, Imogen, come here and take this picture. Imogen, stand here and do this. Imogen, bring my mum and see it. It was just constant, constant, constant. And there was no sort of respect for my own space and my privacy. So there was a couple of occasions, obviously, you know, I'm always polite to people, but I might not give them exactly what they want. And then that's when people seem to get quite nasty about it. So on one occasion... Uh, a, a young lad was very, very upset. Uh, you know, I didn't give him more attention than he wanted, even though I was very polite. And he came over and he gripped me by the arm. And as I've been, I've, I've tried to like say, like, let go of me. He's just punched me in the face. I can't remember him actually punching me, but I woke up on the floor um, and he cracked my cheekbone. So I actually had to go to hospital. <laughs> and so, yeah, I feel like there's a, there's a lot of it that people don't see. I've been out on Mother's Day with my mum and my nan, and someone has threatened to jump over a table and attack me in front of my family. So it's my family, my friends. And I just think as I got older and all that negativity built up, built up, built up, that's what then triggered anxiety, really bad anxiety. Like, I couldn't leave my bedroom, let alone my house, sometimes for weeks on end, because I was just so fearful of going out there and not knowing how people were going to react to me and what people were going to say to me. And I just felt like I didn't know what it felt like anymore to walk down the street and not have people either come up to you, shout you, you know, point and stare at you, giggle at you, say things to you. 
And I think it just really took its toll, to be honest. If you're recognising those signs of not wanting to leave your room, you can contact mind, mind.org.uk and speak to someone there who can help you if you are in a situation like that. We've seen other islanders go on. So Jordan, for example, did Celeb's Big Brother and he did X on the Beach. What made you just go, no, I've had it. I don't want to do any more reality TV now. I think it's just mad. I think I just I felt it in, inside. I remember filming me last season of the night and we'd go out on the nights out and, you know, we'd be doing all these amazing things that I was used to doing, which I would get such a buzz of. And I remember one night we were out and I was sitting there and everyone's drinking and playing games and all and it's all about to, like, kick off or something's about to happen. And I was sitting there and I was just like, I don't belong here anymore. I was like, I just, I'm tired. I was, I was tired of the games. I was tired of, you know, the, the dynamics of the show, you know, with the drinking and the arguing and the love triangles and the heartbreaks. And it, I just felt like my emotions and who I was as a person was becoming used for just pure entertainment value. So I think for me, I remember when we were leaving Aretha and we were getting in the cars up to go to the airport. We'd just finished filming and I actually went back into the hotel before I jumped in the car. And one of the crew ran after me and was like, Imogen, what are you doing? You need to get in the car. And I went, I'm coming to say goodbye. And they went, why? And I went, I just know. I just knew in my gut. I was like, I just know. I was like, I don't think I'll be back. And went and done a bit of travelling. It was just coming more and more to me that... I was actually seeing a lot more of myself um, and struggling to kind of stay within this industry. So for me, it was just, it was really hard because it was all I'd ever known. It was all everyone ever knew. As, you know, people, like you said, people would be like, oh, people would like do anything to have that job. How could you ever walk away from it? And it was a battle for a long time. But I think it just got to the point where I was like, enough is enough. Because I was meant to, so I decided to, I'd left We Hender and I was like, I can't do that show anymore. Like, it's not working. And I bowed out. And then I actually got offered to go on the challenge on MTV in America. And for some reason, I was trying to convince myself, like, oh, it's a different show. It'll be a different dynamic. You know, it'll be a completely different experience. So I went for my medical. I got the job. I was meant to be going. And then... The more I sat on it and the more I researched into the show and I watched the dynamic in the house that you live in with the show, people fighting, like physically fighting. And it was just very, very toxic to be in, even though it was very entertaining for the public. And then two days before, I just I just knew I couldn't do it. I can't put myself through this anymore. I'm going to end up putting myself in an early grave. And that's the honest to God truth. So I rang my management and said, phone the channel and tell them I'm not coming, I'm not getting on the flight. And I didn't get on the flight and I've not done a TV job since. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think that did detriment to you? Did it? Did your relationship with your manager, who'd got you this big deal, was getting paid a, a big commission, which they weren't now going to get, the fact that you'd pulled out of a TV programme, you know, very, very soon to when you were supposed to do it, it's given you a reputation that maybe... You're not the next reality star. You know, we've just had another 30 people come out of Love Island. They could easily want to go and do it. Georgia Steele did it, for example. You know, they will, there were people there available to do it. So actually, Imogen, what's the point? There's, there's no use for you anymore in, in my management company in this reality TV world. Yeah, well, I mean, but see, my management was very... When I explained to my management at the time when I didn't want to go, and, uh, you know, I explained to them, like, I can't put myself through this anymore. Like, I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to put myself in those situations. 
they were furious. They were trying to force me onto a flight. They were like, get on my flight now. And I was like, speaking to Said, you can't make me do something that I don't want to do. Said, I am my own person. I was like, you don't own me. I was like, you're not his own. You can't tell me what to do. So it was just enough was enough for me. And I just had to start taking control back on my own life, to be honest. I bet. I bet. So you took mm-hmm. control of your own life. And your Instagram vastly changes. There's no more bikini pictures. It's now all about your tattoos, meditation, mental health, therapy. Where were you mentally when you came off those reality shows and you gone, like, this is it, I'm done now? When I kind of, like, stepped out of it, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know what I mean? It wasn't kind of like, I've let down one life and then just shot into another life. There was, like, to be honest, it's only, like, since the back end of last year, but there was a lot of time, which was quite an unsure and dark and grey area for myself. You know, I struggled again massively with my depression. I struggled massively with my anxiety off obviously leaving the industry and trying to figure out who I was. I was, you know, financially, financially, I had nothing. It was like I kind of stepped out of it and completely, you know, detached from everything and kind of, no, I wouldn't say lost because I don't see anything as a loss, but through the transition stage, I didn't have anything. I went back to my mum's. You know, I did go quiet for a while because I think I was just, I was in a bit of a dark space with it all. You know, I was obviously knew it was right to get out of it because I was in a really dark place in it. But then coming out of it, in a sense, was very much like, I didn't know who I was. I remember stepping out and being like, who am I? Who am I? Because I grew up on, like I grew up all my 20s in TV. So that moulded me into who I was. So to step out of that, it was kind, I felt like I kind of lost an identity that wasn't mine but was all I ever knew so it was really really hard at first and it was just kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be and I found very quickly that looking externally to the answers within a job a career how I look this and that I was always going to feel empty inside because realistically I didn't know who I was on the inside. I didn't know, you know, who Imo was. And I had to really go inwards. Like I said, I found myself on a spiritual path, we say, and kind of was just really going inwards and learning about, like, meditation, yoga. Um, I'd done a practitioner course in NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming and Hypnotherapy. I went away for a week and, and done this course. We're an absolutely unbelievable close friends of mine, uh, Phil Quirk, who, who's a life coach. And we've done loads of work together. We've done loads of, like, hypnotherapy work and stuff. And we've done this session where, you know, he really helped me work through my sort of anxiety. Now, my anxiety at the point of leaving TV is I, if I went to walk in somewhere and there was, people would turn and look or point, it would be too overwhelming that I'd have to kind of, I'd, I'd run away. <laughs> I'd run away. I'd lock myself in a bathroom somewhere and I'd cry my eyes out because I just physically couldn't handle being around people anymore because of obviously being in the public eye for so long. And we'd done some work on this with the hypnotherapy and he really started helping me with tools and techniques to kind of overcome these situations. And then that's when I had my light bulb moment. Like, wow, I see myself as such a damaged person when realistically the mind is so powerful 
if we know how to use it, if we do the right tools, the right techniques, the things that are good for us, which can really help overcome them sort of darker sides of us. So then off the back of that, it was, you know, looking into meditation, hypnotherapy, healing work. And yeah, and I just, I found very, very quickly that like by going inwards and sort of working through these demons and darknesses, shall we say, that I really started to find my life and started to really figure out who I was. So it's like they say, don't be without, without darkness, there can't be no light. So it's just been one of them. I've just been chipping away, chipping away at all the, you know, the, the programs that have been built in with me from experience and from from my life and just kind of working through everything to kind of find who I am. And I feel like now more than ever, and I'm so happy that we've been able to link up and speak now, I'm finding my way back to who I am and who I want to be. And also the message that I want to spread in the world, I found that, like, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's wrong to want to be in TV or reality TV, but I think I played a big part of showing how shiny and and amazing it was and how everyone should be this person and everyone should be in this industry when realistically behind closed doors it was very polar opposite so I felt like it was my responsibility as well for the younger generations which you know has followed me for years um, and looked up to me to be a reality star to kind of show them that you know it's not all it's cracked up to be and you know you don't have to be famous or in the public eye you don't you have to earn all this money and do this and that to be truly, truly happy. Um, I think chasing things externally sometimes, you can get a little bit lost, which obviously I kind of did. And yeah, that's just really where we're up to. <laughs> so moving to part three of the interview, Imogen, who is the real Imogen Townley? I am... Imogen is someone who wants to spread the light in the world. I know that sounds absolutely probably like crazily cringe, but I just want to be someone who can inspire people for the right reasons, inspire people to chase their dreams, inspire people to do things unapologetically and authentically, and to not be so sidetracked by social media and that industry and that sort of world where I grew up in. Because even though, yes, there's, there's, there's bonuses and good points of it, I found that there was more negative to it. I'm going to be completely honest. I think I'm at a point now where I've accepted it and I feel like as I've got older, it was like I kind of sold my soul. I felt like I'd sold my soul to be in that industry and it was just something that I didn't want to do anymore. So, Well, you're keeping being awesome because reality TV may have finished for you, Imogen, but you are now a singer and you've been back in the recording studio for the first time, which is amazing. Yeah, do you know what? This is, it's like, do you know when I, I, like, when I stepped out of the reality TV world, I, for a very long time, was very much like, I think it was my ego, was very much like, okay, you've peaked, you're now a failure. Like, you know, you've gone from a radio career, a TV career, this, that. You're back at your mum's, you know, you've got no money. Like, you're starting again. You've got no job. You don't know what you want to do. And for a long time, I was just like, I've had my I've had my peace in my life. Like, that, like I, I wouldn't know where you'd go from here. And I could never, ever see it. And it's, it's mad because it was it's isolation. It's, it's, 
it's been such a tough, tough time and a challenging testing time for everyone. And I know that. Um, but I've been very, very blessed in a sense that by going into isolation and having to sit with myself, because one of my biggest worries about going into isolation is I'd work so, so hard to be able to get up every day, get myself out of my bed, get myself out of the house and not to get, you know, and to, to kind of break that pattern and cycle of associating my bedroom and waking up in the morning of not being able to get out of bed for days on end. So I was very aware with going into isolation that, like, by putting me into a dynamic way, I couldn't leave the house. I had to be in my bedroom. And I live in a little flat as well, so there's, like, you know, there's not loads of space to move about. I don't have a garden. Um, I, I was worried. I was like, is this going to trigger? Is this going to trigger me? And is it going to trigger me back into my old self and the sort of old dynamic that I had um, indoors? And it did. It did just that, of course, it did. So isolation for me, especially for the first month or so, was really, really hard. I was really struggling to get out of bed in the morning, started to get all that dark thoughts again, you know, like, why am I here? What's the point in living? And, like, it just got really, really dark for a while. And I remember waking up one day and just thinking, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep staying stuck in this routine. And I bought a guitar when I was 16, and I never, ever really managed to learn to play it. But I've, for some reason, I've never threw it away. I'm 29 now. It's like it's come everywhere with me. It's moved out with me and everything. And I remember looking at my guitar and just thinking, you know what, like, we've got one life to live. And one thing I've always wanted to do in my life is learn how to play a guitar, write my own song, and do an open mic night somewhere in Liverpool. So I was like, I've got all this free time. Now I need to flip this on its head. So every morning, so I done a hour, um, an hour and a half guitar lesson online and just learned like the basics, everything I needed to learn. And then literally every day when I'd wake up, as soon as I'd start to feel like the depression kicking in or the anxiety kicking in and I was really struggling to get up or get motivated, I'd just sit on my bed and I would just play my guitar all day. I just started to write loads, write loads about what I was feeling, write loads about things that I've been going through. And it just kind of happened. And the response was amazing. I had people crying. I had people like, where's this come from? Like, I didn't know you could write. I didn't know you could sing. And I was just like, oh, I don't know. It's just something I always wanted to do when I was younger, but I've never got around to doing it until now. And then from, so from that, I then actually ended up by faith and kind of just trusting in the signs. I ended up um, down in Devon, staying in Dartmoor, um, in the forest, living by a river. So I actually lived in a tent off-grid, no phones, no social media, none of the external ways. And I lived by a river for months off-grid. I took my instruments with me, I took my guitars with me, and... Um, I just kind of completely disconnected from all the chaos and just went in and really reconnected with myself and really reconnected uh, with my music. I was then being, I've been involved with a community. I don't know if you've heard of them. I know they've been getting a little bit of press at the moment, which I have been avoiding. The Rainbow Family of Love and Light, which is a community that live off grid, um, which is full of the most beautiful, creative people I've ever met. Some beautiful healers, spiritual people, wise people, and I ended up living um, amongst this community. 
and really learning about like music, really learning about like jamming, getting creative, different instruments and stuff like that. And it was just one of the most transformational months I've ever had in my life. I feel like I've come out of it and I'm a completely different person. But off the back of that arose an opportunity to go then to Bournemouth to a recording studio with an old friend who actually was a guest on Magaluf Weekend in 2018. <laughs> so you want to call that a coincidence or you want to call that fate? I don't know. But um, yeah, I, so then I ended up going to Bournemouth and yeah, I've been in a recording studio since off the back of that. So it's this, I'm just kind of trusting in the process and where, where I want to go. I came out of TV and I was very aware of it. I wanted to share my experience and I wanted to share my journey. I wanted people to understand because I know for a very long time a lot of people didn't understand where I was or what I was doing because it did go so quiet. But I just felt like I never had the words or I didn't know how to explain or express myself or, you know, try and try and get a message to other people. And I just feel like now since finding my music and with my songwriting, I just feel like I finally found my voice. So I'm just, I'm going there, I'm rolling with it, and yeah, I'm excited to see where it ends up. Does this, though, mean that you can go either way, though? Because you've got the catharsis that you're letting out all your thoughts, and that's great. But it can also get to the point where you are almost fabricating it to create a song. And therefore, there's a line blurred as to what was real and what you thought happened, but actually didn't happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, do, I get what you're saying there. Do you know what? That, that's a really good thing. Because one thing I learned when I went and lived off grid down south um, is I really, really seemed to find the light within my career. Because for such a long time, I looked at that world and I looked at that part of my life, you said, very negative you know, very hard, which I'm not, it was, I'm not going to dilute it and say, oh, it probably wasn't as bad as it was, because it was, it was horrendous, I was suicidal, you know, I'll come on to this in the next bit, but it was, it was, it was hard, it was, but from being away is, I remember one day I I was sitting by the river, and I was just kind of thinking back to the life that I have lived and where I'm until now, and I absolutely burst out crying. But for the first time, I didn't burst out crying because I felt sad or emotional about it or seeing it negatively. I cried because no matter what I've had to go through and what I've had to experience in life, it's led me right here. And, yeah, I might not be big and famous and on TV, and, yeah, I might not have all the money in the world, and, you know what, I might not even have it all figured out yet, but I have never, ever, ever been happier than I am before, like, than I am now. Like, this is the most happiest I've ever been. And I think it's because I just feel like I'm finally living my life true to myself and authentically to myself. And then I'm so grateful for everything that's happened because it's given me the opportunity, like, prime example, to be able to tell tell my story and be able to, like, speak to you as well because we obviously met through the weekends there and all the showbiz side and stuff. So... I'm coming out the dark and into the light and seeing how all the pieces of the puzzle connect together. And I can see where the dots are connecting and I can see that everything that we do go through in life and even if sometimes we just, we can't see it when we're in the midst of it, like when we're in the midst of the hell, the darkness, the, the, the hard part. It's so hard to see why it's happening to you. Yeah, like it's like, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? But I feel, believe that everything in life happens for you. 
Do you know what I mean? And you've just kind of got to, you've just got to take a hold of it and you've just got to trust it and you've got to ride with it. So it, it has helped me kind of definitely see the more positives in it. Like, I mean, music's not all doom and gloom. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's some, there's some stuff there that I've been writing, which is, is the emotion because that becomes my therapy. I find when I'm feeling really, really, if I've got a day or like, I feel like I've got loads of emotion and I don't feel I've got any way to, to release it because I've, releasing is so important it's important to cry it's important to accept these emotions you know and not suppress them and not deny them but I obviously was I couldn't cry you know I'd just be like oh I don't want to deal with that and then now since I've been able to connect to my music it's I am feeling sort of feeling like this right now let's let's write let's try and express it and I'll just I'll put a melody together and then words will just start coming out and, you know, that might not be anything that I'm ever going to share with anyone else or, you know, share with the world or record in a recording studio, but it's mine. It's, it's, it's my therapy. This is probably the first thing that I have actually got into in my life that I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm doing it purely for me. That was Imogen Town Nate, and she gives a very good message. You don't have to be a singer, but it's important to use your voice. And when you are struggling, yes, ask for help, but also self-reflect, be it in a song, a poem, or even just simply a letter to yourself. If you've got a problem with a person, write a letter to them. You don't need to send it, but there's something really powerful of just getting out those words on a piece of paper looking at it from a fresh pair of eyes and just going, okay, I can walk away now with my head held high. Because all that happens is, is it just eats and eats and eats away from you. Imogen's an amazing case study, if you can say that. She was incredible on TV. I absolutely loved her on TV. But that wasn't her purpose. And people who go on these reality TV shows to get their money, the verification, the fame, that's not their purpose. What Imogen is doing now is her purpose. She created a platform herself. She's got a following. But now she can use that platform for good. She speaks openly about mental health. She speaks openly about having therapy. And she speaks openly about her music and what that means to her. And that's the most important thing, that we're all there to help each other. And talking of helping each other, help me, Johnny Seafoot. Please do go on to my Secure the Insecure podcast on iTunes. Give it a five-star rating and leave a review. Please help me spread the word that it's okay to not be okay. Be because i need to see some more comments from you guys listening i need you to help me get up that mental health chart on itunes and keep spreading that word because until we start all talking about mental health we're not going to be able to see a change i've been johnny seifert thanks so much for listening until next time thank you and goodbye Secure the Insecure with Johnny Seifert is sponsored by Jennings and Co-Financial Planning, helping to make sense of money. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.